Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome everyone to episode number 95 from Delving into Islam podcast. This is your host, Wa'il. And it is a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a privilege that I'm able to talk to you about the religion of Islam and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is allowing me to share my knowledge with you. Thank you so much for listening or participating and sending in all your questions and suggestions. And speaking of which, if you have any questions or suggestions, please email me at delvingintoislam at gmail.com. Again, delvingintoislam at gmail.com and I will get back to you as soon as possible, inshallah. Uh, now, this podcast is for anyone, whether you're remotely curious about the religion of Islam, if you're thinking about becoming a Muslim, or if you just became a Muslim, or if you've been a Muslim and want to learn more about Islam, this podcast is for you, inshallah. And before we actually get into our topic today, uh, I would like to, you know, tell all of you uh, Ramadan Mubarak. So we are in the blessed uh, month of Ramadan. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us, you know, to be from those who are forgiving, uh, you know, uh, in the month of Ramadan. And again, this is Ramadan is a chance for all of us to, you know, gain uh, rewards to repent from our sins and to be forgiven and to be from those who are chosen and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chooses every night on Ramadan people to enter paradise and to be exempt from hellfire and this all you know it depends on our sincerity and you know how hard we work in Ramadan inshallah and how hard we work on our fasting and to complete our fasting now I, I have an episode an early episode in, in early seasons I, I believe about Ramadan and describing Ramadan I, I didn't want to repeat this because you know it, it wouldn't be something new that I would say it's just you know if, if you guys haven't listened to that episode please go back and listen to it and it basically tells you everything you want to know about Ramadan inshallah so yeah, with that being said, uh, let's now get right into today's topic. And today's topic comes to us from one of our listeners by the name of Majid. Uh, Majid, thank you so much for listening and for sending your suggestion regarding today's topic. Uh, now, Majid is from Ecuador, and basically he's telling us that uh, in Ecuador, Muslims uh, are minority. And because of that, uh, there are around like only two or three mosques, at least in, you know, in his area, and, uh, you know, uh, Muslims uh, go to pray there and, you know, they are from different cultures, alhamdulillah, and everything. Um, but now, Majid is mentioning a very uh, serious problem uh, uh, that, you know, his community is facing. And let's be honest, many Muslim communities face as well, which is um, cleanliness. They do not keep the masjid clean. And this is a serious problem. This is a serious issue, and unfortunately, a lot of us take it lightly. And I just want to remind all of you, again, thank you so much, Majid, for your question, and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala increase the number of Muslims, not just in Ecuador, but, you know, all over the world. Um, now, here's, here's this, is, this is a big deal, because number one, purity is a big deal in Islam. And we're not just talking about the purity of the heart. You know, we're talking about the purity of your body, your home, and above all, the masjid. And here's the thing. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us how to do both. How to purify ourselves spiritually and physically. But for some reason, we only focus on spiritually. Not all, not all of us, of course, alhamdulillah, but many of us, a lot of people, they totally focus on the spirit, which is really important but they totally ignore 
the physical purity, the physical cleanliness, which is a serious problem. Now, let's let's divide uh, today's topic into you know two sections, which is a smaller section, which will be the the the, the spiritual purity. And then the, the the bulk of our talk today will be about the physical, you know, purity. So let's talk about the, the spiritual purity. How is it, how can we stay pure? Because it, we need to purify our hearts. By the way, we need to be constantly purifying our hearts because it's not a one and done situation. To purify your heart, you have to keep cleaning it. Keep cleaning it from all the sins, from all the hatred, from all the evil thoughts. You have to keep cleaning your heart. You have to keep cleaning it, cleaning it, cleaning it. It's not like you clean it one time and that's it. Like, unfortunately, some people think it's a one-time thing. Like, for example, new converts, when they, they become Muslims, they think, oh, by becoming a Muslim, my heart is magically clean and pure. No, it doesn't work like that. We're human beings. You know what that means? It means that we're susceptible to sin. We can be tempted unless we have our guards up. And how do we have our guards up? By cleaning our own hearts. By cleaning our thoughts. That's how it works. Imagine that you're supposed to clean a room. Then you're giving all the tools. uh, And then you're being lazy. But then guess what happens? More clutter starts to get into the room. More, you know, dirtiness and filthiness. The room starts to become more dirty and dirty because you're just ignoring to clean it. And it makes cleaning it at the end very difficult. It becomes very heavy on you to clean it. Same thing with your heart. You have to constantly wash off the sins from your heart, the bad thoughts, like I said, the hatred, whatever you're feeling, whatever the ill you know, feelings or the bad or the evil feelings that you're having. And we're humans. We all get those feelings. We all get these types of feelings. Clean it all the time. You know, the first thing that we do when, you know, when, when a Muslim becomes a Muslim is what? You reject any God but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You reject the concept of shirk. You clean your heart from disbelief. And you clean your heart from the concept of shirk. Then you become a full Muslim. Now, being a Muslim is not enough. We said that before. We have to be a bel- believers. We have to be believers as well. You know? So, now, to be, to be believers, to stay as believers, we have to constantly strive and clean our hearts from any filth, from any temptations, from any sins. So that's how it works out. And we, again, we're always going to struggle. We're always going to struggle. This is our purpose here on earth in this life to struggle, to stay away from sins so we can earn paradise. We can earn Jannah. Allah is saying, Jannah is not cheap, my dear brothers and sisters. Don't don't feel like you're stressed out. Oh my God, I'm just, my, my whole life, I'm just going to keep struggling and fighting and trying to, yes. How long are you going to live? 60, 70 years? But that's it. Guess what? The struggle that you're going to have for, of course, we don't struggle from the day we're born, right? So let's say the struggle you're going to have for like 40 years, 50 max, it will pay off in the hereafter. You know, when you live, inshallah, eternally in paradise. Imagine. That's because you were not lazy in this life. 
and we're allowed to make mistakes, but we try to correct them, and before correcting them, repent to Allah and ask for Allah's forgiveness. That's how we clean our hearts. Now, this was the simple part. This was the spiritual part. We all know this. You know, we've been taught this. This is something, it's, it's a no-brainer. Here comes the second part, which, you know, our today's topic, which is the physical purity, the physical cleanliness. What is the first thing, and for those of you who remember the last season, what is the first thing that uh, a Muslim would do once they become a Muslim? Like, let's say people go to the Prophet ﷺ and they decide to take the shit to convert. What would the Prophet ﷺ tell them or what would the companions tell them to do before taking the shahada? If you guys remember, to go take a ghusl, to go purify themselves, wash themselves physically, by the way, from all the filth that they had before Islam. What is that supposed to mean? Well, Islam is such a beautiful and a wonderful religion that it tells you how to clean yourself physically. So as Muslims, we do things that non-Muslims don't do. Like, for example, the simplest thing. After we become intimate with our spouses, we have to wash ourselves in a specific way to be able to pray, to be able to read Quran, to be able to do many things because we are in the state of impurity. Non-Muslims don't believe in that. They take a shower just to clean themselves maybe days after or it doesn't matter to them. But we should be always clean and pure. Why? Why? Forget about, you know, uh, the, the, how we look or forget about, we meet Allah five times a day. We stand in front of Allah five times a day at least. Do you really not care about what you look like? How clean you look? How good you smell in front of Allah? It matters. It matters. There is a reason why we're supposed to stay pure and clean all the time. You know, like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us and the Prophet ﷺ, of course, they tell us that prayer won't be accepted without making wudu, without the purification or the evolution that you do before the prayer, the wudu. You can't do, you, it won't be accepted. La salah liman wudu alahu. The Prophet ﷺ told us. Your prayer won't count if you don't make wudu. It's as simple as that. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, is do, you, do you see what I'm saying? It's, it's obvious that cleanliness is a pillar of being a believer. It's actually part of prayers being accepted in Islam, which is being a Muslim, not just a believer. Just at, at least, if you want to be at least a Muslim, you still have to make wudu five times a day before you pray. Do you understand how serious this is? Again, people who are about to take the shahada, about to, to convert to Islam, they cannot just say the shahada without cleaning, their, without washing their bodies. Why? Like I said, because there are certain things that non-Muslims physically do and they do not clean themselves after, that Muslims cannot do that without cleaning themselves. Like I said, being intimate is one of them. You know? Now, Let's talk. I'll give examples. Now, I, I'm not going to give you a class on how to be, become clean, right? But I'm going to give you just a, you know small examples of how important and, and some examples of how to do certain things. Like, for example, wudu, like we said, is, is, it, it's, it's 
as important as the prayer because again prayers won't be accepted without wudu now to, to be able to make wudu uh you you know start with you know your hands you do it either minimum of one time but you could do it you know three times like the prophet used to do like a sunnah uh, and then the mouth uh gargle you know uh again same thing nose you uh basically uh, uh sniff the water and then you blow it back to make sure that your nose is clean and then you know your face then your arms you basically in your arm you, you 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 and by the way when you do your face you have to cover up until your chin like up until your neck basically no don't do just the, you know like even if you have a beard make sure that beneath the beard like in your skin um has water that touched it basically then uh you take water with your palm and then you make it go down your arm uh, all the way to the elbow again both arms you right first and then left uh then you wipe on your hair uh and then you do your ears and then you do the feet um and you have to make the water go through between your toes. You know, basically have to clean between your toes because it collects dirt and all these things. So that's that's basically simply again. I, I, I'm not telling you all the detail here. It's so simple to look it up online. But that's basically the gist of making wudu. Now, there are certain things that break the wudu, right? And I, again, I, I'm not. This is not a fiqh class. Like I can't give you all the detail because we literally could stay for hours explaining every little detail. But using the bathroom is one of them. You know, releasing gas is one of them. Of course, uh, you know, um, having any you know sexual fluids. Uh, you don't necessarily have to you know be intimate or have intercourse. But if if any again if your body released any basically if your body released any fluid that's considered to be impure, like like I said, any like when you use the bathroom. Or when you're doing, you know, engaging with your spouse in any, you know, uh, intimate or sexual activity, uh, you, again, you don't have to fully uh, 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 have the intercourse. But even if you started, uh, you know, if you want to call it the foreplay or whatever, and you feel like that there is some fluid that came out that breaks your wudu, you literally have to go and do ghusl, not just to restart your wudu. You have to literally go under the shower and do the ghusl, which we will talk about in a little bit. Um, again, and, um, so th- these are the things, if you're gushing, uh, like if your body is, there's blood gushing out of your body, a smoke cut here and there is not a big deal. Uh, and of course for the ladies, you know, their menses or, you know, the periods, um, um, and, and all these things, right? So, um, uh, falling asleep, if you fall asleep completely, if you completely fall asleep, you and and the reason why, by the way, and and a lot of people apparently don't know the reason why falling asleep goes under the category of breaking your wudu, because when you fall asleep, you might release gas without even feeling it. So that's why, because you, again, like I said, that's why deep sleep, like when you're not there, even for a minute or two, when you but when you're fully like went to sleep, that means you have to uh, go and redo your wudu. So it's again in a nutshell that these are the things regarding the socks. A lot of people um, uh, also have a misconception about the socks. So let me give you the simplest uh, and and the consensus of the scholars. By the way, these are not my opinion. These things are all consensus of the scholars based on the hadith of the Prophet the Sunnah, and the Quran, of course, above all. But uh, when you're wearing socks, 
you can and number one, the conditions of wearing socks and and doing the wudu. So what's 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 this idea with socks and wudu? Now, if you wear socks and those socks are above your ankle, above the ankle, they have to be above the ankle. And when you wore your socks, you were in a state of wudu. That these two things are important. If you were in a state of wudu and then you put on your socks and your socks were above your ankle and you lost your wudu after, when it comes to uh, rinsing the feet, you can just wipe on top of the sock, on you know, on uh, on top of both socks. Again, if you uh, have wudu and you put on your socks and your socks were you know above your ankles and uh, uh, you lost your wudu, you can literally, when you come to the feet part, you just wipe on your socks. That It's as simple as that. Now, here's the thing. Another thing that a lot of people are not familiar with. If you if you keep your socks on for more than, you have to like take them off uh, after 24 hours. So this whole process is valid. This whole wiping on the socks is valid for only 24 hours of you wearing the socks. Another thing is, and this is one of the biggest misconceptions, falling asleep with your socks does not mean you have to take off your socks to redo your wudu. Again, we said falling asleep is regarding releasing gas. That's what breaks the wudu. So if you break gas while you're awake, what are you going to do? Are you going to take off your socks? No, you just wipe on it. Same thing if you go to sleep. The only thing that makes it um, mandatory to take off your socks and then redo your wudu is if you uh, stay... Again... If you stay for more than 24 hours, if you stay for more than 24 hours uh, wearing your socks and uh, after the 24 hours, if you lose your wudu, you have to take off your socks and redo your wudu without them and then put them back on. It's as simple as that. I know that's why I don't want to, fiqh could be really complicated to explain because it needs some visual you know, explanation, but I hope you guys get, got the picture. But again, this is proof that our religion, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us how to clean ourselves. There are rules, there are exceptions on all these things. Uh, and again, I know a lot of people, wudu is not a big issue in alhamdulillah. The overwhelming majority of people do believe in the wudu so much. I don't I don't know anyone who wouldn't do wudu and pray. Doesn't make any sense. Now, also, the, one of the most beautiful things, and this is proof, like these are all proof how important cleanliness is. What was the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ? He used to make wudu and go to sleep. He used to literally sleep upon purity. So this is, again, it shows you. Like, look at, the, look at it this way. You wake up in the morning, you make wudu to pray fetch. Then if you lose your wudu, you make it again to pray dhuhr. If you lose it, again, asr and so forth. And before, right before you go to sleep, if you want to follow the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, you make wudu right before you go to bed. Do you see how how we're supposed to be? We're supposed to be clean most of the time. Not all the time. I get it. Some people lose their wudu and they wait until the next salah to you know make the, their, their wudu. But my point is, we have to be in a state of purity most of the time. Another thing is, the Prophet ﷺ was the cleanest human being ever. And, and remember we said that his wives used to you know take his sweat as cologne and it smelled like cologne it was uh, we agreed that it's unnatural of course Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him unnatural uh, you know odor but at the same time it shows you that if if having good odor wasn't a big deal in Islam why would Allah give him an unnatural good odor 
that shows the importance of being clean. And the Prophet was clean by himself. But Allah gave him that extra, you know, purity physically and spiritually, of course, as well. It's important to be clean, my dear brothers and sisters. Now, let's move on. Now, when you are intimate with your spouse, like we said, you have to do ghusl afterwards to be able to pray. Uh, and so you, 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 you become in the state of purity. Um, so one of the things is like you have to take... Now, a lot of people, they take the easy route and they just go take a shower. But here's a big issue with that. You need to... Shower is fine. Um, now, again, there are conditions to that shower. Number one, you need to have water running through every inch of your body. You need to, to basically rinse your entire body, which is, I don't think it's difficult if you're standing under, under a shower. But here's the important part that people always forget and ignore, and it's, a pro, it's problematic. The intention. You need to have the intention of purifying yourself, of the ghusl intention, after you know, uh, being intimate with your spouse. The tahara, you have to do tahara. And the tahara, or ghusl, yeah, I mean the same thing as washing your body. The tahara is the purification. So you want to do a tahara after being intimate with your spouse. You need to have the intention. Then you can take a shower, but make sure that, you know, water reached. Now, the, the, the ideal way, the sunnah way to do uh, tahara is basically you know you uh, you wash uh, your 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 organ uh, your sexual organ and make sure that it's clean this is all under the shower then you wash your hands then you start with the right side of your body make sure that it's rinsed very well and then the left side then you make wudu and you leave the shower and you're good but again if you have just the intention and you you know scrub yourself really well again Scrubbing yourself with the soap is not required to do tahara. But rinsing yourself well is mandatory. Uh, without doing all these stages, it will still, inshallah, be accepted. As long as you have the intention and uh, water ran through your entire body. And there was not like, you know, an inch that was, you know, spared. Again, I'm only telling you this. I'm not giving you, you know, instructions or I'm not giving you how to do it because this is not today's topic. Today's topic is basically to show you that Allah was very specific when it comes to cleanliness. Do not take it lightly. Being clean is not something to take lightly. You have to be clean. Do not ignore it. And it's for your own sake as well. You know, a Muslim should smell good all the time. Now, for ladies, do not overdo it. So, you know, strangers would smell you and they could be attracted to you through your smell. Um, that, that's definitely, you're not, as a, as, a, as, a, as a sister, you should not do that. And as a male, don't do exaggerate as well. This, it goes for both. Do not exaggerate. Any, because as a male, if you put a lot of cologne to attract the, you know, opposite gender, to attract, the, you know, the ladies out there, you, you're sinning as well. So it's the same thing. Just smell good but make it subtle. Smell good, but make it subtle. Now, here's something very interesting. The Prophet ﷺ said in a hadith that, you know, if it weren't that people would have made it mandatory upon them or it would have been mandatory, the Prophet ﷺ would have commanded us to brush our teeth before every single prayer throughout the day. Imagine. The Prophet ﷺ literally wanted to tell us to brush our teeth before praying. To smell good, to have a clean mouth while we're standing in front of Allah. Because, my dear brothers and sisters, we don't see the significance of that. We're standing in front of Allah. He's looking straight at us. So if we're 
not paying attention, if we're not clean, if we look like ridiculously, you know, dirty or filthy, Allah's looking at you. You know, when you go to a job interview, what happens? You dress up, you smell really nice, right? Uh, you act, you know, really uh, professionally. You, you basically become on, you know, you be on your best behavior. Now, imagine you're standing in front of Allah. Guys, we're, because the fact that we're not seeing Allah, that doesn't mean He doesn't exist, right? We're Muslims. We believe that Allah is right there looking at us because Allah is the one who told us that. He told us that through the hadith of the Prophet. I'm looking straight at you while you're praying, Allah's saying. So if we really don't care, that means we don't believe that Allah exists. That means we're going to act like other non-Muslims who say we need to see Allah to believe in Him. I know that that's not what you're thinking, but subconsciously this is because you don't care. You don't care because you don't see Allah. Right? So please, look good when you're standing in front of Allah. You don't have to dress up, but look good. Smell good. You know? That's why when we go to pray Eid, we should have new clothes, we should smell really nice, and all these things. Islam encourages us to be clean and to stay clean. You know, one of the things, the Prophet ﷺ, uh, was passing by a uh, graveyard, a Muslim graveyard, and then he heard two Muslims, they were being tortured. Long story short, one of them, the Prophet ﷺ said, he was being tortured and not for something, not for a major sin. Imagine. The Prophet is telling, telling the companions, this guy is being tortured, but not for a major sin. So they asked, what was the sin then? Look at this. He did not use to clean his urine after urinating. Like basically he wouldn't, you know, uh, do a stinjet. And the stinjet in, in Arabic, it literally means you have to wash your organ after urinating. Whether you're a male or a female, you have to rinse your organ at least. Or it doesn't have to be with water, but just make sure that it's clean. You can use, you know, uh, tissue paper or whatever. Do you understand? That, so that guy who was being tortured in the grave, he was being punished in the grave. He didn't care. He would just go urinate and then keep on going. And this is a serious problem. Do you know why? Because he prays after this. And none of his prayers is accepted because he is in a state of impurity. His body has, like I said, impure fluids coming out of his body or he has some leftovers or like, you know, residuals of urine on his clothes or on his body. And, and by the way, as a Muslim, you should not stand in a urinal. You should actually use the toilet to urinate as a Muslim male. Do you understand? Why? Because when you're standing, there are residuals. There's like, you know, sprinkles of, of urine that you might not even see. They, they might get on your body, on, on, your, on your clothes. Then you go and pray with those clothes. It's not accepted. Now, someone might say, well, how am I going to know? Well, do the right thing. You don't need to see it happening for you to verify. Stay away from Ishtanabu Shubuhat. The Prophet said, stay away from the gray area. If you are in a place and you can sit down to urinate, do so. Always urinate while sitting down. Now, let's say that you are in a place you are, and you have to urinate and it's really critical and there is no way you can sit down and you can only do it while standing. Then take all precautions to make sure that none of the sprinkles of the urine will get on your clothes. 
You understand? So again, DC, that's my point. That's how critical being clean is. And we still take it lightly. I see a lot of people, they go and then they, you know, urinate in the urinals, don't care about anything. They don't even try to make sure that, you know, no sprinkles or anything got under clothes. They don't care. And then they go be like, okay, I'm going to make wudu and go pray. We take it lightly, unfortunately. And it's sad. You know, it's we shouldn't be like this. We are a clean nation. The Muslim nation is a clean nation. We're known to be clean in our food. When we eat, we don't eat pork. Why? Because pork is filthy. We don't eat filthiness. We don't deal in filthiness. We don't become filthy ourselves when we don't clean ourselves. So that's when it comes to, you know, our ourselves, our own, you know, bodies. You know, uh, another thing is our homes. Make your home as a Muslim home, make it comfortable for people to come in by making it clean. You know, you want people to come in, whether they're Muslims or not. By the way, you're making a da'wah, by the way, by being clean. Like when when non-Muslims see how clean we are and we say, oh, because Allah tells us how to be clean. Allah commands us to stay clean. The Prophet commands us to stay clean. Then people will say, oh, wow, that religion is really good. It encourages people to stay clean. So it's you're actually preaching Islam indirectly by being clean in you know in your side and you have to be clean because Allah wants you to be clean because the Prophet wants you to be clean, not to please people, not to do it on the out, outwardly and that's it. No. Now, so our homes also need to be clean. Now here comes the big one, the, the most critical one, the mosques, the masjid. This is the house of Allah, my dear brothers and sisters. This is the house of Allah. Allah tells us the masajid are the houses of Allah on earth. If we cannot keep it clean, then what are we thinking? This is where Muslims stand together in congregation in front of Allah. If we cannot keep the masjid clean, it's really sad and it's unacceptable. The masjid is the house of Allah. The, you know, you need to keep the masjid more clean than your own house because this is where purely people go to pray. The, own, the sole reason why people go to a masjid is to pray and you're not keeping it clean. This is a serious problem. It's, it's logical to keep it clean for the sake of Allah. How do you think Allah would look at you when you're not cleaning His house on earth or when you're not maintaining its cleanliness? How do you think Allah will look at you? Keep the bathrooms clean. Come on, you want people to want to go there. You want Muslims to want to go and pray there. You know, by actually, and this how dangerous, you know, let me tell you how dangerous uh, not keeping the masjid clean could be. It could be dangerous on two sides. The first side is people who want to go and pray when they go to the masjid and they see that it's not clean constantly not being kept clean it looks they will be discouraged from going to pray there they won't come to the masjid they won't they were just going to pray home because well, they will say my home is cleaner it's cleaner especially in a place like you know what majid is saying there are only two masjids so if i don't see that they are clean i'm not going to go to either it's simple so now by you not keeping the masjid clean, you are pushing people, you're pushing Muslims away from 
coming and praying in the masjid. Those who care. And the second thing, the second side uh, of you know this being dangerous is guess what? If a new convert comes in or someone interested in Islam, they walk into a masjid. Because this is, a lot of people do that. They want to walk in, I'm about to change my entire life. You know, I'm not a Muslim, but I want to become a Muslim. But let me go and see where they pray. Let me go see this house of worship that they, you know, all go pray in. Mosques, mosques, mosques. We hear a lot about mosques. Let me go and check out a mosque. This is what a non-Muslim would say. Then they go inside the mosque and it's not clean. You know what you just did? You pushed someone because some people, by the way, might, again, they don't have the, the, the enough faith yet. So they might judge Islam by what's apparent. By what's apparent, which is, oh, they're not clean. They're not clean. Look at this masjid. People pray to their God there. I'm out. Some people might say that. Not everyone, but the one person that you pushed away, one out of a hundred, let's say. Let's say 99 people didn't care, but this one walked away because it wasn't clean enough. That one person still makes a difference. Still makes a difference. And it's on you because you did not care about the house of Allah and how clean it should be. Now, we're not saying that this is your intention, but you should have been more clean. It Basically, when you keep them, this is how it goes. When people look at the mosques, the masjids, right? When people look at them and they are clean and there are so many beautiful mosques that are clean, they smell good. It shows that this is a clean community. It doesn't speak on behalf of the mosque. It speaks on behalf of the community having clean mosques. Okay, this is a clean community. Wow, mashallah. You know, guess what? When people see that you ha- this is a clean community, they will assume that you are a clean person yourself. You are also, again, you're speaking on behalf, not just the community as a whole, but you as an individual, as a Muslim. Very dangerous, wallahi. Take it seriously like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Prophet commanded us to. Take cleanliness seriously on an individual level and on a community level. We should care more about you know cleanliness and purity and all these things. We should. It's embarrassing that people might look at a masjid and they say, whoa, they, people pray here? The masjid has to be incredibly clean for the sake of Allah. You are in charge. Allah gave you a tr- By the way, the masjid are a trust that Allah... Basically, you're maintaining it clean so people would love to come and pray and go and pay charity, go pay sadaqah, go do some Islamic events. You can make a beautiful thing out of a masjid, a small masjid. But when you make it not clean, when you don't maintain its cleanliness... You'll drive a lot of people away. Not everyone, but a lot of people. People who care about cleanliness. Bottom line is, my dear brothers and sisters, what we should focus on is, number one, cleaning ourselves individually, physically. Of course, spiritually before anything, but do not ignore physical cleanliness. Do not ignore it. You shouldn't. Then, Once you are yourself clean, you'll know that it's impossible to go to a mosque while it's dirty or while it's filthy or while it's not clean in any way, shape or form. 
because you are a believer. And guess what? The Prophet said, min al iman." Cleanliness is from belief. Cleanliness comes from belief. Basically, a believer is a clean person. The Prophet If you're a believer, you're going to be clean. No, that doesn't mean only clean individually, like I said, or personal. No, clean everywhere, especially in the house of Allah. Organizing it, making it smell good, making it look good. Don't make push people away. And this is not a on one person. All of us must work to make the mosques clean, to make the community clean. This is a not one individual. This doesn't befall on one person. It can't. You know, the person who made a, a mosque look dirty, it's it's not one person. What made the mosque look dirty is not one person. It's collective, unfortunately, collective carelessness. So now, as a group, as well as a Muslim community, we have to make sure that our mosques, our homes, ourselves are clean. We have to make sure of that. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep us uh, clean in the hearts and, uh, you know, uh, physically as well. Thank you so much for listening. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.